welcome to the HMM radio. And if you could just start with like an introduction, uh, who you are, what you do, that would be good. <laughs> my name is John Garver. I'm at the geology department at Union College in Schenectady. And I've spent a lot of my time, my research time, looking at the Mohawk watershed and water resources in the lower part of the Mohawk and how it affects the Hudson. Uh, but I'm interested in aquatic resources and, and how the watershed works. You had mentioned to me it was the uh, road salts affecting the municipal water supplies in uh, Scotia, New York. If you want to elaborate on the, the local story that we are looking at. So we're just coming into winter season, as you know, and there's an incredible amount of road salt that gets broadcast on all of our roads by both the state and local municipalities. And one of the problems that we're seeing is there's this regional, what we call salinization, this regional salting that's affecting the aquatic uh, resources all over the Capital District and upstate New York, and in fact, the northern tier in the United States. It's a chronic problem all over where salt is used for de-icing roads in the winter. And there's a couple of places in the Capital District where it's pretty severe. The damage is actually quite dramatic. Uh, those places are largely where aquifers, where we tap into groundwater, and that groundwater is somehow in communication with salt that's being broadcast on the surface in the winter. Uh, and so Scotia, New York is one of those places. Um, it takes its water from what's called the Great Flats Aquifer, uh, which is an aquifer that supplies water for about 160,000 people in the Capital District. And parts of the aquifer that are a little bit further away from the Mohawk have a lot of salt in them. And that salt gets into the uh, the municipal drinking water. So a good portion of this comes from the road salt. Is there any other factor that introduces the salt into this system? Yeah, there there are. Look at typical wastewater. Uh, that's about 10% of the load. It's not insignificant because we use salt in our daily lives and, and it goes out through the wastewater system. And there's some industrial use as well, but, but a lot of that is is relatively limited compared to road salt. Road salt is, at least in the Capital District, it's generally thought it's about 90% of the problem. Road salt is the primary thing we want to be concerned with. So what are what are some possible health impacts on uh, whether it's the environment or people or, uh, I guess, organisms within the overall environment? This is, uh, there's, there's a lot here. There's a lot going on here, uh, a lot of moving parts. And let me start with the aquatic ecosystem. We, we enjoy in the Capital District, the Mohawk and the Hudson and all sorts of smaller tributaries. Um, and that's fresh water, obviously. And, and when we start to add salt to it, chloride in particular is sort of the original forever chemical. The chloride gets in there and it's pretty difficult for most aquatic organisms to live with. In fact, we use chlorine and in, in drinking water to disinfect it. So it kills a lot of aquatic organisms, but there's also a problem with osmosis. And so they're the normal way that most aquatic organisms transfer water within their body. It gets messed up. Uh, when there's too much salt. And and so currently that level set by the EPA, um, there's a lot of talk that that protection level is actually too high and it actually needs to be lowered to about a third actually of what the what the sort of the chronic condition is. Uh, we have some streams in Schenectady, for example, where we've measured salt as about one third of uh, seawater uh, in the winter. And so this is severely contaminated and virtually no aquatic organisms can live in this sort of, uh, this sort of environment. This is called a chloride 
shock uh, if you have very, very high spikes of chloride in the winter. But more practically, actually, there's two other pretty important implications when the sodium and the chloride gets into our municipal water supplies. So in the capital district, about a, a quarter of a million people, 250,000 people are either drinking the Mohawk or drinking the water from the Great Flats Aquifer, which is directly connected with the Mohawk. So when we have high sodium and chloride, so we take salt and it dissociates into sodium and chloride, those are the two things that we really need to worry about. And the first one, chloride, one of the main problems we're concerned with is it causes corrosion of pipes and infrastructure, et cetera. And so it can ultimately drive a corrosion of household pipes, which releases lead, and then lead gets into the drinking water. No lead is good for you at all. So there's been a couple of municipalities where the very high chloride values have increased to such a degree that actually lead is being released and people are drinking water with lead and we need to get that fixed uh, immediately. The, the other problem is the two travel together, the sodium and the chloride travel together and high sodium levels can be problematic for those people who are on a sodium reduced or sodium limited diet. For those that have a severely limited diet for sodium, the uh, the recommended value is 20 milligrams per liter. And right now in the Mohawk and in the Great Fats Aquifer, there's no no single municipality that delivers water that is at 20 or less. That's all above. So we've hit this. And prior to when we used all this road salt in the 50s and the 40s, those values were down around two or three milligrams per liter. Uh, and now we're up around 30, 40, 50. So it's just been a stunning increase in the chemistry of our drinking water. So uh, you were talking about use of salt in the 40s and 50s. It's been a pretty steady increase in the amount of salt, or would you say that there has been some improvement since this topic has arisen, I guess? The chloride value in the Mohawk River, for example, has increased 300% since the pre-salt days in the 50s. So it's, it's quite remarkable in amount of increase, and it's not slowing down at all. One of the things that we can see in the data, this is the chemistry data of the water, and this is also the municipal data for salt purchases in the state of New York, is things really went nuts starting in the early 1990s. And that meant, actually, we we're not addressing the problem. We're just making it worse. We're using more salt. One of the operators of uh, salt trucks who I talked to a couple of years ago told me that that was when they got the mandate from above that said shoulder to shoulder. Uh, no one goes home until the roads are clear shoulder to shoulder. And what that meant, they just needed to spread huge quantities of salt. And so municipal purchase, state purchases of salt, et cetera, have all gone up and, and actually are not showing any signs of decreasing. So yeah, we have a real problem on our hands. What are some things that can be done to reduce the amount of salt that we are using? I know when talking to you prior, you had mentioned a couple states that are kind of working to uh, reduce salt. What are they doing that's right that we should be doing? You know, New York is a king of salt. We mine salt here. We have the biggest salt budget or salt reduction for snow, snow removal, at least of any state in the United States. So we're really, really good at it. <laughs> and one of the reasons we're really, really good at spreading salt across the landscape is we have so much snow. But another, another sort of problem that's tied into it is that salt is relatively cheap in the state of New York because uh, we have some of the biggest mines in the country uh, right here in New York State. And so we have a very efficient system for transporting and, and distributing um, salt. So the Adirondack Task Force just met and it put out its report many of us have been waiting for for a long time. This came out of the 
uh, Randy Preston Salt Reduction Act. And that act was to look into oversalting in the Adirondacks. And those lakes are pretty sensitive to salt because they're on sort of crystalline bedrock. There's a couple of things that fell out of that report, but frankly, I was disappointed because I really think that we need a state solution, a whole state solution to oversalting in New York State. So what that report didn't do is it didn't say, oh, at the state level, this is what we need to do. And there are some good recommendations in that report, but working in the Mohawk Valley, I can tell you that it didn't seem like there was a direct application to the things that we need here. We need we need a salt reduction program. I mean, we need municipalities to embrace one of the primary levers that's used by states that are taking this on. And Wisconsin is a leader, Minnesota is a leader, and New Hampshire is a leader, is primarily uh, best management practices. And, and best management practices is a whole suite of ideas and techniques that are used to get both the state and municipalities to basically use less salt, to be more proactive at thinking through how they're applying salt and why they're applying salt and when they're applying salt. Another important uh, part of the salt reduction strategy is the use of salt brine. And so that would be salt that's turned into salt water and that's applied before storms. And Wisconsin has showed that can reduce the use of salt between a third and a half in, in most applications, actually. So brining is is an important thing. I know the New York State DOT is experimenting with brining. Uh, we got to make sure that if we go down the road of using salt brine, that's usually done before a storm. And it just mm -hmm. means removing the salt from the road during uh, and after a storm is much more efficient because the, the snow doesn't stick to the road. Um, we need to make sure that we don't use fracking fluids for that. We just use regular salt brine that's made from um, mined salt. Uh, but there are other mechanisms. But I think really looking at Wisconsin for their leadership is uh, is is important way to, for us to move forward. Um, is there uh, anything else that you feel like is important to mention that has not been mentioned yet? I think we're not going to make progress on salt reduction until we acknowledge that we have a problem. You know, most people don't really think too much about crayfish and the little things that live, the aquatic organisms that uh, that are in our watershed, but it's affecting our drinking water in, in a really significant way. And it's releasing lead and people are drinking lead and it's affecting the health of uh, residents in, in the capital district and elsewhere in upstate New York. So this is actually a very, very serious problem. If we just look at lead, for example, the release of lead Part of that is complicated itself because we need more lead testing, and then we need to make that link between corrosion of pipes caused by chloride, which is caused by road salt. And, and so it's like many other things in society where it's sometimes hard to connect the dots when the dots aren't immediately next to each other. So I think acknowledging that we have a problem and addressing that problem on a statewide scale is the most important thing that we can do. Well, thank you for talking to me about this today. And hopefully this is something that can the word can be spread and we can work to reduce the amount of road salt that's used. Great. Thank you, Megan.